I want us just to take a moment and really posture our hearts to invite God's conversation individually into our lives. Um, how many of you know God is big enough to speak to each and every one of us in the room if we'll just pay attention to what he has to say? And so, uh, Lord, we just we thank you for this church family where we can gather together with expectation that there is a common appetite for the anointing of Jesus Christ in the presence of God. I pray you would deepen that, Lord, within every one of us, that we would trust in the fact, Lord, that you are drawing us into deeper places and sometimes requiring things of us that are quite painful to get there as the cross is at the center of this kingdom. And we're saying, Lord, that our desire is to know you more intimately, to walk with you, Lord, more personally. And I thank you for the power of your word today as you shape some of our paradigm, some of our way of thinking into more of what, what you're desiring it to become. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. We're um, really focusing in a lot on gratitude and the, the power of being thankful and I hope that you're really uh, taking seriously the requests for these thank you cards. We've put them on all the seats. I want to ask you to scoop them all up. Um, you know, somebody may be in mind that you can give a thank you card to this week. But I want to ask you to take maybe four or five of these with an expectation that you're going to hear the Holy Spirit give you a prompting this week. How many of you want to hear the voice of God? Don't you just love that we, as his sheep, John 10, 27, know his voice, we follow him. And so I want to encourage you uh, this week, just pay attention, people that you work with, people that you live by, and uh, jot something specific in the card that you can put in their hand and just be an encouragement. We really want to activate that as a, a force of gratitude in our society uh, right around where we dwell, where we live. Two of the most powerful words known to mankind. Say them with me. Thank you. Uh, it, it really is significant that we understand the power of gratitude. Um, and this is about being healthy on the inside. Third uh, John has been our focal point, chapter 1, verse 2. I want to I read the scripture, not just in, you know, I don't want to just pass through the verse to try and come to an idea that I'm talking about today. Do you, do you understand the danger in doing that? How many of you know the power is in God's word? It's not in clever speeches, uh, though I'm, I'm kind of pausing and taking a little extra time right now to, to prepare you and to prepare me because I feel like I have some really um, unique and almost clever things to say that the Lord's given me. And, and that's fine whenever that happens. That's not the focal point. But if I'm not careful, I get lost and absorbed in that as uh, what I lean on. And I just want to lean on him more than I do any good idea that we're going to share and celebrate together uh, how many of you know God wants to shape some things from the inside out in every one of our lives? So let's receive the power of his word as we celebrate his truth today. 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And it's such an important truth for us to understand that out of our inner being uh, comes the life that we experience, just as your soul prospers. So is your inner being 
strong? Are you developing your inner person, your inner man, your inner woman, your spirit? Are you developing that which is, uh, that God has declared in his word has the power to shape everything about your life? <clears throat> and that is the significant component of these weeks that we've been focusing in together, talking about having a healthy inner man, a healthy inner woman, a strong inner person. So it's not joy that makes us thankful, but it is actually gratitude that makes us joyful. And that's the essence of everything that we're talking about. Um, and significantly enough, we need to understand where we find those moments of joy. You know, we're coming into Thanksgiving week, and um, next week, oh, well, some this week, I'm going to one of our family celebrations today, this afternoon. So different times are starting to come together. Um, there was a Friendsgiving event at our house this past Friday night. Tracy and I were out of town, and our girls invited a bunch of their uh, college friends over for Friendsgiving, and uh, anybody see the movie Risky Business? That just came to mind as they were preparing, and so uh, thank God that that didn't happen, or at least they cleaned it all up before we got back. Um, but there's something so powerful about community and friendship and family, and I want to just challenge you as we're looking into, I want to give you some practical ideas and thoughts that you begin to pray about and prepare for in this week to come. Uh, how to make those times around the table really rich and enriched. Um, so like family comes together, are there, can you think of that family member that tends to frustrate the conversation? Does that person come to mind? And uh, some of our family here is looking at me saying, yes, that's exactly right. Um, how many of you in this room, you have an embarrassing family member? Can I just see, raise your hand? Just look around at all these people raising their hand with embarrassing Family members, those of you who are not raising your hand, perhaps you are the embarrassing family member. So I want us to really understand something about family. It's a significant um, deposit for us to get, to build on today, when we understand God gave the family as the foundation of society. Now I want you to think about how important this is. God gave, God institutionalized, if you will, the family as the foundation of society. Uh, he defined family as the first form of society in human history. And so that's important. That's significant. That actually shapes a lot of our understanding about society in general when we understand it from a scriptural standpoint. What this means is that, that family is the oldest institution established by God, listen carefully, even older than the church. And so that's a really important bit of information when we start thinking about family and how we should be viewing and looking at this. And in your, your blank, you'll see uh, family is the origin of society. If you got your card when you came in from the back, uh, family is the origin of society. A number of families coming together actually form a community. Community comes from the family. The family doesn't come from the community. Community comes from family. Families come together, they form a community. Enough families come together, communities come together, they actually form a country. Now, this is important because we need to understand the family produced the state. You understand I'm talking constitutionally now, and, and I want to get a little political with you just because I want to make sure we all have a biblical worldview and a view in our politics that really is born from Scripture because the family produced the state. The state did not produce the family. Uh, that's an important thing for us to understand. If you dissolve the family, then you dissolve the state. 
recognize that it's a violation of custodial authority when the state tries to become the parent of the family. And so we have to see this from God's intended perspective in order for us to really fulfill all that God's called us to fulfill. We've spent this um, past few days, Tracy and I went to Washington, D.C., and it was interesting, and I got a great inside scoop tour of the Pentagon. One of our uh, graduates from our Christian school uh, took me around the tour in the Pentagon. I had no idea. 17 miles of corridor, 26,000 workers uh, it was just phenomenal. I was really overwhelmed by it. I hadn't ever taken a tour there before. And uh, just watching all of it, I just thought of the power of what we have established in this nation. How many of you are thankful for the nation in which we live? Last week, we celebrated those who served. Come on, let's do it one more time and say thank you to everyone who served in this great nation. I am so thankful. I am so thankful to live in a nation where we have the freedoms that we have. But in the midst of it all, let's make sure we never lose sight of the custodial authority of the family that produced the state. And keep our priorities correct according to God's word and God's will. Whatever's happening in the community is the result of what is happening in the family because families coming together produce the community. Makes sense? When the fabric of our social structure starts to dissolve, the state's response is to build more jails. And what we really should understand is that we should take responsibility to build stronger families if we want to have a stronger community. So very important that we understand that from the standpoint of the body of Christ and the church and the call of God that exists in our lives. And earlier in the year, we brought an emphasis to this particular verse in Nehemiah chapter 4. And I want to reiterate this voice, and I want to, I want to make a, 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 a clarion call, loud and clear. Nehemiah 4, 14, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Can you say amen? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. I want to encourage you to fight for your families. Don't give up when it gets hard. Fight for your families. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. See, there's a natural family and there is a spiritual family. And we need every one of you engaged in the fight for the family that God has called us to fight for. We need everybody in this room absolutely 100% on point, ready to do battle to fight for that which God says we should possess. How many of you know when God gives to us, he gives to us as a possession? That means we have to go in and take back sometimes what the enemy has tried to occupy. I'm declaring today, some of us in this room are about to take some territory back that the enemy has robbed from us, and we're going to redeem the revelation of family that God wants us to possess. Come on, just declare it even more so. Let's engage in this fight. Let's engage in this battle together in the name of Jesus. Devil, give up and release the harvest of our sons and daughters in Jesus' mighty name. We're calling forth sons and daughters and mothers and fathers in the kingdom of God in the name of the Lord. It's significant that we understand the call of God in, our, in the body of Christ um, to really explore and pursue in a divided nation. We live in such a divided nation. And I believe God really is uniting the church. It's a, it's a church united that can address a, a nation divided. 
I'm watching right now as I'm seeing major streams of ministry coming together in agreement to accomplish great things for God. In our 9 o'clock prayer, I mentioned a meeting that I was able to attend this past week. A few hundred leaders, ministry leaders, um, leaders in, in our community that have a heart for the kingdom of God. And, and everybody's in there talking about this, this new prayer movement that's starting to emerge in the United States. And I just want to declare, when prayer movements begin to emerge, the kingdom of God begins to expand in powerful and profound ways. And in the state of New Mexico, there began to be this 24-7 emphasis of, of a variety of churches, all kinds of backgrounds. Pray however you pray. If you're Catholic, pray Catholic prayers. If you're Protestant, pray Protestant prayers. If you're Pentecostal, pray Holy Ghost Pentecostal prayers. But let's pray. Let's let the body of Christ be mobilized to pray. And in the state of New Mexico, they began to report how when they first initiated this 24 hours a day, seven days a week prayer, they had reported some 3,400 murders. And within one year of this prayer assignment taking place, there was a report of only 340 murders. 90% drop in the murder rate as a result of the praying body of Christ. Christ. How many believe in the power of prayer? So we're asking God for wisdom to know what our role is to serve in that. And I believe that we as a church family are to be a part of that in the state of Oklahoma. We're going to be a contributor to a diminishing crime rate. We're going to be a contributor to a diminishing divorce rate. We're going to be a contributor to diminishing rates of kingdom of darkness and expanding rates of the kingdom of light in Jesus' mighty name. That's the plan of God, that we would pray and release God's kingdom and be united together as the body of Christ. And you know, the enemy loves to get us divided and angry and upset and frustrated over little things that divide us into our little compartments and zones so that we're not united, so that we're not accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Three times this last week, I've seen a vision. And I don't, I'm not much of a vision guy. It's the different gifts for different people. Some of you, maybe that you get visions often. I don't really get visions that often, but I have had three times the same vision this past week of a, a very active, slithering serpent trying to gain its access way into our church family and the right hand of our Savior and King smashing his heel on the head of that serpent, stopping it dead in its tracks. How many of you agree in Jesus' name? We will hold the gate, we will watch the walls, and we will not allow the enemy to come and divide. But we will walk in a space and in a place of being united for the purposes of God. So understand the importance of this element of community that I'm talking about. It's a revelation of community that we're, we're addressing when we're talking about family. The promises of God are not written to me. The promises of God are written to we. Do you understand that? How many of you know we are guilty of reading the Bible as if it is a letter written personally only to us when actually it is written to all of us? Not me, but we. And so we need to understand the, the framework and the context and the significance of that and uh, to kind of give us a better picture. I, I want to walk it out with you in a, a unique way today. I'm going to ask for a volunteer in just a moment to help me with this, but let me give you this next blank. The life God created you to live is not the life you can live alone. You must discover the joy of community to experience the fullness of life. How many know that's true? You must discover 
the joy of community to experience the fullness of life. How many you know it's easier not to mess with having people in your life because people mean problems? Anybody ever just dream? What would it be like just to go live on a deserted island and not have to deal with all these people and all these problems? Isn't it easy to love people when you don't have to deal with them? Isn't that amazing? Like the more I isolate myself, the easier it is to love. Actually, the more I isolate myself, the less opportunity I have to love. It's easy to be patient when I'm not having to deal with somebody and see just how impatient I actually am. Maybe the issue isn't them. Maybe it's what's going on in me. The promises of God are not written to me. They're written to we. So, you know, I've talked about this verse a lot. You've probably heard this verse. It's a great verse of Scripture. I'm not going to tell you where it's found yet. I want you to think about it with me. Uh, as I ask for a volunteer, I'm, I'm looking for maybe uh, a volunteer with a slight beard on the face and a, a sweater sitting on the front. Oh, A.T. Hargrave, ladies and gentlemen, would you help me? A.T. Hargrave is going to make his way right up here on the platform. I love this man. Thank you for volunteering, sir. Such a servant. Such a servant. So this scripture says, God is able. Can you say it with me? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. How many of you believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine? I'm going to ask A.T. Hargrave, the director of our Leadership Institute, to do something so simple. I want you, sir, if you would just stand right here. I want you, because do you believe God is able? I, I do. Yes. There's a lot of faith in that statement. I, 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 I do. Uh, and so uh, here, here he is standing on this platform. I want you to do something very simple. I want you to leave the platform, hover over the chair while the congregation counts to three. Let's practice one, two, and then come right back and land on this platform right where you're standing, never touching the floor. Let's hear it for him. Come on, church family. Let's see it. Go, go. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <laughs> so, could I get maybe six guys with muscles to come jump right up here? Come on, you've got muscles. You've got muscles. Maybe form, you know, the hands under. And let's see if A.T. can accomplish this thing that he said was impossible. Here we go. Here we go. Grab those. All right. Just go ahead. Hover right over. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, A.T. Hargrave. This is a walk of faith, a leap of faith. Ladies and gentlemen, there he goes. Yes. Let's hear it. Now come back. Oh, my goodness. We have experienced, thank you so much, how God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. How many of you know that uh, whenever I asked him to do that originally by himself in his mind, that was impossible? But it actually was not impossible, and in all honesty, it was actually easy when he did not do it alone. I, I want to just, as simple as it may seem, there are some things in your life you will never accomplish that you will find impossible the more you isolate yourself from the community of God's plan. 
God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. You know that the context of that particular verse of Scripture is all about working together? It's all about connecting together. Let's read it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And I want you to hear the context of community for this powerful verse. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Right here, we are talking the fullness of community of the family of God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Are you hearing this language? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, plural. This is not written to me, it's written to we, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together, everybody say together, with all the Lord's holy people. This is all about community. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the measure of all the fullness of God. Here it is. Finally, after all this community language, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen how many of you just would love to see God do the miraculous in your life how many of you understand very clearly there are some things that God will miraculously do if you're willing to engage in a level of community and family that you will never experience if you don't. It's a pretty important concept for us to understand. Um, and God knows how much you need him and how much you need people. And listen, if you will listen to what he has to say, he will really help you get this. If you're willing to listen. It is too easy to decide, I'm just going to make my way. I don't really need that. I don't really need him. I don't really need her. I don't really, this, I'll, just, I'll just do this thing. And we wouldn't necessarily come at it that way because the enemy's far more clever than that. He talks us into justifying our anger and justifying our division. And I deserve and I feel. And you understand, if you're not careful, then you are absolutely in a justifiably conquerable frame of mind. We need each other. So what we do in the beginning of the year, we take the first 40 days of the year as a church family every year. We focus in on really a tithe of the year. And so roughly 10% of the year is 36 and a half days, so we just round it to 40. And we ask everybody to do the same thing in those first 40 days. Really consecrate yourself before the Lord your God. I just believe 2020 is to be an unusual and exceptional year for the body of Christ. I believe God wants to do something powerful and profound in your life. Do you believe that? 
And I'm going to ask you to engage, particularly in the first fruits of the year, in the first 40 days of the year. We're all going to be focusing in every community group on the same thing. Five core central ideas and revelation that God has given us to define us and to characterize and express God's kingdom expanding through our lives. So each week in those five weeks, we're going to ask everybody to be in a community group and to make a connection and to have a discussion and an interaction like a church family meeting uh, house to house, room to room, depending on when and where you meet. And you can, uh, today, when you conclude, you can walk out and find at the Connect Center, right out the doors to the left. There's a wall there with all the community groups on them. If you're connected to a group, we want you to be involved in that group. If you are not connected to a group, then I want to ask you today, in the name of a desire to grow deeper in community and the plan of God, take the Connect card, pull it out of the seat back, Fill out the Connect card and write on their community group. What we are going to do the first 40 days is to provide the Discover Destiny community group that has the goal of exposing you to those five ideas of, of the five weeks. And the conclusion of that particular group is to help you find the group that actually is right for you. If you've tried groups before and you didn't find the right fit, don't give up. We need community. How many believe we need community? The Bible says they met in the gathering like this and they met house to house. There's something about being shoulder to shoulder that's rich and healthy and, and we're releasing something. How many believe this atmosphere creates giant killers in the kingdom of God? I believe there's something powerful about coming together under the de declaration of his word and the celebration of praise and worship. I also think there's something powerful about getting face-to-face -face and nose-to-nose and saying, where are you really with these concepts and ideas and how are you doing in walking this thing out called faith? It's important that we do that. And so I want to invite you to participate on that level. The wonder of community is attractive. It's beautiful. So many people are intrigued by the wonder of community. But the reality is you can be intrigued by the wonder of community and never really connect and choose to live a, a diminished life from the outside looking in, wondering what it would really be like. If you remain self-absorbed, every time conflict comes, then the enemy easily sifts you into an angry attitude or a divisive attitude that says, you know what, I just don't need those people. We're kind of at a standoff right now because I'm addressing some things that exist within our lives that cause us to stand in a place of being divided. And the enemy wants you to feel justified in those behaviors, ideas, and attitudes. But Jesus wants you to come to the foot of the cross and lay down your right to be offended or your right to be isolated, whatever it is that keeps you in that mindset, that frame of mind, whatever happened to you in your childhood, whatever happened to you this morning, last week, a year ago, whatever happened that caused you to, to, to shift into a mindset that justifies your isolation, God wants to address that and deal with that as an enemy to your soul, not only an enemy to your life, but an enemy to your legacy. You don't want your children or your children's children carrying on that spirit, never becoming everything God has actually intended them to become. Come on. We've got to fight together to bring this thing to pass. Underdeveloped people. How many of you know it's easy to be underdeveloped emotionally? 
It's easy to be underdeveloped spiritually. And when we're underdeveloped, we simply find ourselves ill-equipped to be mature. And so here's the statement. Underdeveloped people quickly abandon community, and in doing so, they sentence themselves to never experiencing the depth of what God has planned for their lives. This is why we are so strong about, folks, stay in the Word. Stay in a place of prayer. Stay connected in relationship. Work it out. Do what it takes to see it through. See it through. Whenever problems come, don't just abandon and run, but engage. Grow deeper. Become more mature, more loving. You know, you really, the the same sun that um, melts the ice hardens the clay. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Your response to the situation determines whether you're going to grow hard in your heart or soft and pliable in the hands of God and become more loving, more patient, more kind, more of all the characteristics Jesus wants us to become. So I want to encourage you, particularly as we start to step into uh, the element of family in the Thanksgiving season and the time that we're going to spend with each other and with your family members and, and some of the people, you know, on a real practical level, some of the people in your own family that you might find difficult from time to time. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're preparing your heart to go into those scenarios and those situations with a deeply loving, gracious attitude. Covering mistakes, not exploiting and exposing mistakes, but trying to help people feel embraced and loved. It's such an important element. It's just so practical and so basic. But relationships are like bank accounts. How many of you know if you take out more than you put in, you ultimately will bankrupt that account? So how can you make some rich and meaningful deposits this week uh, within our church family, the thank you cards, within your own family, whatever that looks like for you? So I actually inquired uh, with some of our staff and some of our elders, and I asked, you know, what were some things you did that created uh, meaningful memories, particularly around this time of year? I want to give you some practical ideas, because your action point this week, the worship team can come back up. We're going to enter into just a time of, of thanking the Lord and worship. But your action point this week is to begin to pray about your family gratitude strategy for Thanksgiving. Don't just go through the week and deal with the frustration uh, because you you were ill-prepared, but try and deepen that in advance in preparation. Like, how can we really minister to the people that are a family? And so some practical things. This is, this is what some of our staff and elders just responded and gave me some ideas. Um, everyone at the table, I kind of like this one. Everyone at the table draws names of someone at the table. And then you say a few kind words, heavy emphasis on the word kind. Uh, we say a few kind words of why we are thankful for the person of the name we drew. So that would be kind of a cool way to go about it. Everybody drawing a name. And then, uh, you know, if I said something, I look over and I see Evan. And I have to say something nice about Evan. Oh, man, I could come up with something. But I got to dig deep, you know. I appreciate uh, Evan always carries such a pleasant disposition to the people around him. He, He always does. Every time I see him, he's got this smile that's an invitation to participate in something deeper that gives him joy. And I value that in your life. It doesn't take much for us to do what I'm talking about. The second idea, make cards that could become bookmarks, like maybe this size or smaller, uh, not, not quite as wide, and everybody at the table gets a card, blank card, and you write your name at the top of the card. 
and then you pass it to the right and everyone writes one word that is a positive characteristic of that person under their name. And you keep passing it until it gets back around to you and then you keep that bookmark with all those encouraging words about who you are uh, to keep in your Bible or, or a book that you're going to read or something that you can reference and be encouraged later on. How I many you know this is deeply spiritual stuff, practically empowering the body of Christ to do something meaningful? Do you realize right now I'm talking to you about something that might seem, you know, so practical, but actually is a weapon God is trying to place in your hand to defeat an enemy that wants to create division over the course of the next week and a half in your family and your life? Is that possible? I think sometimes we don't forget as a church and the body of Christ. I, don't, I think many times we don't forget to be spiritual. I think many times we forget to be human. And being human is a pretty important part. You know, I say this from time to time and you need to hear it. I really love my wife. And I kiss her a lot. You know why I kiss her so much? So I won't kiss your wife. That's why I kiss her so much. There's something really practical to making sure I'm kissing my wife a lot. I want to get all my kisses fulfilled in that relationship because I don't need to be kissing anybody else. I mean, I, I know that just sounds so silly, but it's absolutely true. You need to make sure you are aligning yourself in the right direction, spiritually, physically, and in every way with the purposes of God in your life and your family really working at the practical things there's something deeply spiritual about that which is practical and there's something deeply practical about that which is spiritual here's another idea serve at the mission as a family just go and serve others be a great way to go and express gratitude and a thankful heart come on let's all stand together Go around the table and just take turns saying something that you're thankful for. You think it's something you're thankful for right now? Something you're thankful for. Play games. Have fun. Talk about the things in the course of this past year that have been meaningful and enjoyable in your life so rich I mean you know Jesus didn't die so we could live divided lives Jesus suffered and died so that we could be unified so that the spirit of unity would rest upon our lives that we would cover offenses we would cover things that frustrate us not point them out and not use them as a justifiable means for the enemy to have his way in our lives. You just have to understand what I'm saying. But to cover those things and allow God to deepen us as a result. Lord Jesus, we know that you suffered and you died so that we could have and enjoy life. I thank you, Lord, that the more we learn to give, the more we learn to live. The more we learn to serve, the more we learn to love. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to read your word 
from the point of we instead of me, understanding the value, the importance, and even the conviction that we should carry to devote ourselves in the spirit of community and connection and relationship and family in the body of Christ. I thank you for natural sons and daughters. I thank you for spiritual sons and daughters. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you take us deeper into the purposes of God in our lives as we're willing to surrender more readily to you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for every person in this room today. There would be absolute certainty that we know that we know that Jesus came died, is risen from the, from the grave, is the Savior of the world, and that we, each of us, Lord, would resolve with absolute certainty, you're not only the Savior of the world, but Lord, we need you to rescue us from our sins, from our sins. Would you just surrender your life to him today? Just surrender, posture your hands before him in a place of surrender. Some of us maybe have never surrendered our lives to Christ, but, but all of us just in a posture of surrender. Lord, we say we desperately need you to help us. We are in trouble when we are left to ourselves. And I thank you, Lord, you came to redeem us, to rescue us, to strengthen us, to empower us cause us not just to become free but to become freedom fighters reaching out, loving, serving and giving in a way that other people's lives are impacted by the cause of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus we pray in the mighty name of Jesus come on, Jesus is Lord, let's give him praise we believe, we believe 